Hey everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. Today we are in John chapter 5, where John chapter 3 taught the necessity of the new birth. John chapter 4 introduced to us the nature of new worship. John chapter 5 introduces the very introduction of the new age itself, where Christ comes and heals the lame. Let's read it together, chapter 5. After this... There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, I have no one to put into into the pool put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going another steps down before me and Jesus said to him get up take your bed and walk and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked now that day was the sabbath so Jesus said to the man who had been healed it is the sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed but he answered them the man who healed me that man said to me take up your bed and walk they asked him who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now. And I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now let's stop right there, okay? There's a lot going on here, and this is so important, right? So Jesus, he has come here into during one of the feasts, and he's gone up over to the, by the sheep gate, where there is this pool, the, the pool of Bethesda. Now, this pool of Bethesda was to be believed to have these kind of magic principles almost, that if you could go down into the water uh, during a certain period, that it would bring healing. And so these, these individuals who were known as the invalids, right, those were simply those who were lame, blind, and paralyzed, they would come with the hope of being healed by the miraculous waters at Bethesda. And now we're told of one specific man who was laying there, and Jesus comes to him, and he's been there for 38 years, and pretty much his whole life has been nothing but this this place of paralysis that he's feeling, whether it's you know a, a kind of a semi-paralysis of his legs, we're not fully sure, but nevertheless, he is stuck on this bed to the point that the reason he can't get in the water is because there's no one there to help put him in quick enough. Right, And if he tries to crawl over and get there, people just go in before him. He cannot get to the water himself. right? And so he sees this water. That's what he's longing for. This is not just some fluke. This is a person who is really, fully, completely lame. And Jesus looks at him and basically is saying, you don't need, you don't need a pull of Bethesda. You're, you're, the, the true one is here, right? He, he knows what he's going to do. And so he looks down at the man, right? And he says, get up and take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Remember, once again, here's the power of his word. 
He speaks just like he did with the healing of the the official son back in chapter 4. He's doing it once again. He speaks and it happens. Where Christ speaks, things happen because he is God, right? Notice that it's not even stated that faith in Jesus was required of the man, as was the case in many of Jesus' miracles. The focus here is on the power of Jesus, Right? And I love this. Take up your mat. And immediately, right, he got up, he's healed, and now it was the Sabbath, right? We're told it was the Sabbath. And this is very important because they look at this and go, whoa, whoa. Jewish tradition had interpreted the Sabbath prohibition against work to forbid carrying any burdens. And so the fact that this individual would get up and carry his bed, which is a symbol of his burden, they would have used to seeing him... Um, basically breaking the Sabbath. And so the Lord was not only breaking the Sabbath by healing on the Sabbath, but by now causing this man to get up and to carry what they would consider was his burden. And from this point forward, this was going to mark the great debate through the most, much of the rest of this chapter. That is, Jesus' debate, uh, re- the Jews, regarding his relation to the Sabbath and to God. I love this opening portion here. He says, my father and I am work, right? Jesus does not dispute with the Jews whether they are right to criticize the lame man. He doesn't even waste time with it. He denies that they can criticize him because he is only doing what his father does. And the Jews understood him to be saying this since they accused him of making himself equal with God. Jesus represented himself as one who had the same authority over the Sabbath as the author of the Sabbath himself, which was given not only at Sinai, but in the creation order itself. Notice, they know what Jesus is saying. For anyone who says that Jesus never claimed to be God, clearly has not read the gospel, according to John especially, but all of them. Jesus was absolutely overwhelmingly and abundantly proclaiming his identity and relationship with God the Father, uniquely setting him apart as God himself, God in the flesh. And this is why they so desperately and quickly sought to stone him and kill him. For rather than embracing him with it was, they recognized that he was teaching himself to be equal with God and to be related directly in a unique and special way to God the Father. And because of that, they sought to kill him for blasphemy rather than receiving the reality of the truth that he indeed was the Son of God, God in the flesh. Verse 19, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will will He show Him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another one who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp. And you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he writes of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Man, it's powerful, right? Jesus' Here, this extended discourse that he gives implies that the age to come is already here. The age to which Moses pointed to and and foretold of, that he could not deliver, that age has come. An age which would issue in resurrection itself. Jesus makes it clear that you who put your hope on the law of Moses and stuff like that, are actually condemning yourself under the law itself, condemned by Moses yourself, because you are missing the one he pointed to. If you were to hear my word and believe in me and believe in the Father who sent me, you would have eternal life. And you will have passed from judgment, passed from death to life. I have ushered in the resurrection a greater age, which is marked and seen by these signs. This is what Jesus is saying to them. You question my authority. You question me. You challenge me. And in doing so, you bring condemnation to yourselves. Jesus addresses four types of testimony that establish his claims. The testimony of John the Baptist. The testimony of his own works. The testimony of God the Father. And the testimony of Scripture. Especially the writings of Moses. Jesus' testimony would not be false even if he alone spoke it because he himself has been testified on the multi- on, on the backs of two or three witnesses, right? That's the whole point here. He has been validated on the basis of two or three witnesses. His signs, the word of God, the testimony of John, and the testimony of the Father. He says this, and this is so important. 
He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus agrees that the Old Testament leads to eternal life while going on to reveal that this life is in him, the author of eternal life. The searching of those who refuse to find Christ in the Scriptures is futile. If you try to go find Christ elsewhere outside the Scriptures, you're never going to find the right Christ. There was such a big movement many years ago regarding a search for the historical Jesus. Well, if you want to see the historical Jesus, go to the Word. They bear witness of Him. And to try to find Him divorced from the world, the Word is, uh, is, is just a futile path. It's, 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 it's wicked. Because it lacks the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus brings it home. Moses will be the one who accused those who do not believe in him. Why? Because Moses wrote about him. Jesus does not refer to any single text in Moses, such as like Deuteronomy 18.15, but to what he wrote in a general way. This is similar to what Jesus told his disciples after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus, as well as to the preaching of the apostles. If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If you believed in Moses, you would believe of me, for he wrote of me. Christ is the focal point of the scriptures. And that is what the new age and the new covenant has brought into the reality. What Jesus is trying to make clear to these individuals is that heaven has invaded earth. The new age has come in the Christ. The God of the Sabbath himself is here, actively working to bring restoration and to usher in a new age marked by a people who have eternal life through him. The new birth, the new worship, and a new age. This is what John chapter 4, 3, 4, and 5 are all about. And Jesus will explain in John 6 how it is and why it is that some receive it while others refuse it. We will see that He is the bread of the life and that only those whom the Father gives to Him will partake of it. While all others will continue in their rejection bringing about their own condemnation in their rejection of the Son of God, the one to whom all the law and the prophets testified to. God bless.